Hello and welcome to this edition of Rants with Pants with myself, Martin Evans. Now, I recorded a series of conversations over quite some period of time and I never got around to really releasing them, which has really been more an indication of about how low my level of ability to stick to a project is, which is actually starting to get on my tits. Now, a few days ago, I did a podcast, the Almost Perfect podcast with uh, Bob Perfect, Darren Scott, depending on how you want to actually name the young man, but um, it was a really cool podcast. And during that chat, we discussed the fact that we'd had a chat on my roof before and I'd lost the content, to be honest. So a while back, I was going through some hard drives and you know, uploading things from phones, etc. And I found this content and I thought, right, we've just had our chat and it was a cool one. I thought, why not use this opportunity to bring this chat back? How has your lockdown been? Because I have no idea where you are on the planet. Maybe you're in South Africa where I'm recording this. I'm in my flat in Cape Town and I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but I've been feeling almost a certain level of guilt recently because I am ultimately comfortable essentially where I am. I'm comfortable and safe disappointed that the world's in the way it is and I don't want to say that for selfish reasons because as much as I am put out like every other person I'm really in a good space and it's almost nice to leave a little layer of guilt after a while when you look out your window and you see that folks aren't perhaps quite as fortunate as you are now I don't want to sound too desperate and and, and sad I'm actually in a really good space up on the roof I've been working recently a lot of positive things have been happening and, and a lot of development is going to be on the grounds of life-changing, because as I'm working away here in Cape Town, I'm in the procedure of sort of downsizing my apartment here and moving a few things away and getting rid of things that are superfluous. And as soon as safe and the opportunities arise, I'll be making my way out to another part of the adventure. But we'll talk about that another time. I want to introduce this podcast today. This is Rants with Pants, the Rooftop Sessions with Bob Perfect slash Darren Scott. Enjoy. Yeah, I was going to say, where are we going to start? Because we've been having quite a conversation already. Yeah, this is the thing about what do you say in a podcast that you perhaps wouldn't want to say in real life? Like, you know, is it like that thing of behind the cameras, so to speak? Because we've been having a chat and was discussing now whether we would continue that level of conversation on the whilst we... Because the thing is, I'm sorry. Probably just say who's here first of all. I've got Bob Perfect. Well... Bob, that's as your stage name. I mean, yeah. You're happy to be referred to as that's your character for life? Yeah, it? I mean, the Bob Perfect thing is essentially who I am. Mm. Um, my real name is Darren Scott. and I I'm, found that... Re- you yeah. really don't want to be associated with that name. Darren Scott, the DJ. And yeah. you are Darren Scott, the DJ currently exactly. working on... Exactly. My name is literally DJ Scott. DJ Scott. Nice. <laughs> well, that works out. So Bob Perfect is just a... a what do we call it? A, a name that you've created over a personality that's come through over the years. Yeah, I can give you the story. Uh, basically, I used to skateboard. Yeah. And this one day, these two girls, they couldn't fucking remember my name for some reason. They're like, Darren, Darren. Like, they get it wrong. I was like, just call me Bob. And then I had a party at my house one night. And, like, they were telling everyone, it's at Bob's place. And then, like, over time, I became Bob at the skate park. And from that, I became Bob everywhere else. And then when I did stand-up comedy, um, I was just introduced as Bob the whole time I was like well this isn't really going to work yeah. and then my grand surname was perfect and I was like is your grand surname actually a family name okay. exactly oh, right. so it's okay. like an homage to her that's um, very cool okay. which is nice and, but it's also just an what an unusual surname to call yourself like I'm uh, modern perfect <laughs> like, that's fantastic so yeah I mean there's even like a perfect street like in Durban that's named after like her family and like 
So yeah, I'm sure there's American Jews. American Jews. So you're from Durban and you're down here in Cape Town at the moment. You were competing in uh, Magic the Gathering Nationals. Okay, so I'm not going to necessarily show my age or anything here, but I have very little knowledge of what that is. But from what it seems like, you take this quite seriously, and this is a big Uh, event. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was the first time I played nationals in about ten years. Mm. So I used to play it a lot as a teenager. And then... So how big is this community? Is this like a, a... I mean, so Nationals this year had the biggest amount ever, and we had about 140 people playing. Wow. So that's pretty solid. That's solid. That's yeah. more than most stand-up comedy gigs we'd ever expect us to come through. <laughs> 140 people out there. You know, and that's just the people that qualified for Nationals and made the trip down here. and like Because there was a Joburg contingent, there were Blum guys, there's right. Durban guys, but there were only like five of us from Durban. So it was a big... There's a big Cape Town community. You know, it's so strange because I've, I've been doing this uh, general knowledge quiz thing at the Alexander Bar with some friends on a regular basis. We Love go over there. It's, it's great. We have a fantastic meal, lasagna and salad, and we do this quiz. And, and quite regularly, we've either won it or we've won shots and what have you. Yep. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the quiz does well, but it's, you know, it's a general knowledge quiz and it gets a general knowledge kind of audience. Then the lady who runs it puts on this quiz and it's just on the office, the American version of the office. It's a whole quiz generated on one. And, and suddenly this niche audience isn't like a regular quiz there's 200 people desperate to be at this event so like sometimes we forget that events that we don't necessarily consider aren't like so important that they can get more than events that we think everybody considers well yeah i mean subcultures are they're they're many and varied and like you think that just because you're in one that like it's like that everywhere but it's not i mean just because comedy is small doesn't mean like you know other things will be just as small well we say comedy small it isn't small in its participation at least there's a lot of comedians and folks behind I'd say the there's scenes. about as many comedians as there are magic players but that's <laughs> that's something to consider yeah but when you look at the events of comedy now you live up in durban yeah. and i haven't been to durban in years but in the earlier years of being in south african comedy i was up there several times a year yeah um, that's how i first met you yeah and, and you know it's it's just i was mentioning to you earlier before we were recording this that i've pretty much just given up on the travel aspect of comedy and i don't really feel the urgent need to to go too far to do it but like i remember back in the day the gigs in durban were you know they were great fun uh, and they were still very much developmental now yeah. you just run a festival in durban yeah you want to tell me a little bit about that. So it's the Heat City, or the Spa Freshline presents the Heat City Comedy Festival in association with Durban Youth Radio, Durban is yours, and Poison City Brewery. Cool, got all the corporateness out I was going to say, just <laughs> even start with, that is, well, that's a positive way to begin because it shows you had some funding and some initiative behind it. So this yeah. isn't this isn't just a throwaway event. You've done this event. This is the second year in a row now. Second year in a row. Corporately back this time. Yeah. And uh, tell us a bit more about the actual festival itself. Well, the whole thing is essentially because you know, fuck Durban, there are so few opportunities really. I mean, what happened, what's happening in the Durban comedy scene at the moment is there are the top level guys, you know, your Carvins, your Neils, et cetera, and they get all those headline slots right. and that's, and then all people from out of town get those slots. Yeah. And so getting experience in Durban is fucking almost impossible. So I've started underground comedy and I've made it weekly now so that people, and we've got a rotation, so it's a roster of just different people every single week. And I just try and make sure that there's spaces for people to do comedy. Okay. And so this festival is essentially that for Durbanites. It's, uh, I mean, Simi came down as an outside guest, and last year Paul came up um, as well. Paul Snodgrass. Paul Cowan. Paul uh, Cowan. Yeah, yes. yeah. Paul Cowan, yeah. So, you know, ex-Durbanites, essentially, yeah. um, because of that connection. And it's meant to, it's starting out as a place for us to express ourselves and show ourselves and show Durban that there's more to comedy than just what they see. You know, just the people that are coming through from out of town and the headliners that yeah. they already know. 
So for this year, it was just about, and last year, it's about creating that. It's about creating a foundation to then build off of and to give guys festival experience, to give them an opportunity to perform to bigger audiences than they usually do and under more serious circumstances, you know? Yeah. So, so how did it end up working for the, the newer acts the, who, who, let's say, have essentially like hustled and struggled to get those breakthrough spots? How did they go through then? Did they have good audiences? Was it... Uh, was but, it new so, people watching comedy? Was it the same? A bit of both. So yeah. we, so last year actually was the cool thing was we had big audiences for the underground nights, which is the youngsters. Okay. And same thing this year. The first night was our biggest night. Hmm. Packed out, had to move the pool table, bring in more chairs, like that sort of thing, which was awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think obviously booking a lot of comedians on a lineup can help in terms of that, but they did pull in some people and those people had a great time the Wednesday show was fantastic right. people loved it and then the next night we did a roast battle which I was a little disappointed with I felt like guys didn't prepare hard enough mm. I felt like they weren't taking it seriously you know I paid mm. a film crew to be there and I'm not gonna like show <laughs> the fucking footage because I'm yeah. embarrassed yeah and then but the Friday night was so the Friday was essentially that night of trying to create new headliners right so my Friday was like our headliners that like so it was like Andrew Hughes Troy Tesla Conor Khadebe Spoon Yandu V Morton myself I think that was hold on mm. and I think someone will be very bummed if I forgot them but so it's to try and you know guys have been doing one-man shows yeah it's on that next level almost but they're not yet being given the recognition of the nails and carbons and stuff like that. And so that's, for me, the whole thing is we can create our own headliners. We can create our own circuits. We can create, sure. so, like, there's a, a band called Rise Against. They've got this whole thing of we can be the bands we want to hear. Mm -hmm. And that's just been like a philosophy that I kind of have. It's just do the thing that you want to hmm. see. Because, I mean, a lot of the uh, sort of opportunity for doing comedy and being recognized as a development act in this country is, is awkward. Because if I think of the guys I've spoken to in Cape Town who are as yet not headliners, but perhaps been involved in comedy for a very long time, and you would have imagined if there'd been more gigs or more space, they would have made the progression. Yeah. But due to hierarchy and uh, just the limited amount of but gigs they end up not being well it's it's it's, it's creature in spaces well they have the and they aren't and but what i'm what i'm getting at is that there is a complexity in getting out of your city to be recognized when you're not being recognized as a headliner so yeah. it's harder to go from support act in durban to come to cape town and yeah, even I mean, get on a bill basically necessarily without walking into something and it's these little independent spaces in comedy which communicate with each other, which are going to be a benefit because yep. those acts now have been on a platform where there's there's a corporate backing behind it. It's been taken yeah, seriously. Yeah, you're on a poster that you can yeah. show, like, hey, I've done this big thing. Essentially, yes, exactly. And then, you know, find maybe, say, in the Cape Town situation that a uh, guy's going, well, fuck, that's what I've got to do next year. I'd love to be, I need to make a plan to get to Durban because there's enough of an industry there now for me to realize that my efforts won't go totally unnoticed. Yeah. You know? So you've got these corporate sponsors involved how does it change for you did it make it any way different i mean i just had a bit more money i had a bit more budget and i mean we had a chat because it is was spa fresh line who yeah. put it in and you know like the guy who approved it was very cool with things but his higher-ups were like yo this is on you if there's fuck-ups well it's what i was kind of getting at because one of the should we call it the reasons why i like the idea of podcasting is that not to say that you're going to swear is of the intention, but if you end up having a decent interview with somebody and some, you know, P's and Q's are missed, it doesn't necessarily impact a, a massive radio brand or whatever the case is. But stand-up comedy is a very hard sell 
to mainline corporate. Yeah, but they, and if it's, and they understood it's, it because they also understand the value of being attached to something that is progressive like to a degree because even like a can offend and stuff yeah. I mean I didn't think anyone was that offensive at the festival sure. we didn't get any complaints right. there weren't any issues yeah. I mean I was aware that it could be an issue but at the same time they, like I said they understood and also in the material that we're going to release we also understand like that's where okay that's actually the, probably the one difference where it would be different than if there wasn't that sponsorship, mm. some of the stuff that I would release might be a little bit more controversial. Yes. But now I will go over all the footage and will be a bit more selective of what I put their brand sure. on. I don't mean at any point that it's an impossibility because if you look at successful international festivals, there's huge, huge brands that are quite happy to put their name behind it. And the trust factor in South Africa lies with a few decision makers in comedy yep. and they've already got the access to the, the savannas and what have you, the yep. large corporate And I intentionally didn't touch yeah, that so because you, I do feel like that's an issue. Yeah, I don't feel like we should have one company paying for all the comedy. Sure. And you think of, say, something like a National Arts Festival or uh, Edinburgh, for that matter. Yeah. You know, there would be an alcohol sponsor like Foster's Lager presented an award in Edinburgh. Now, you could certainly argue there's going to be some of the most contentious shows in the world are going to be produced at that festival. So a corporate identity doesn't necessarily go, well, fuck, that's me too. That's our brand. No, and, it's uh, just like getting in front of audiences. I mean, because even for this festival, the reason why they got on board was because of the numbers. Because so with DYR, like I've got a radio show, like I'm on the drive time show for Durban Youth Radio. Mm-hmm. And so we've got like 140,000 listeners and that's sellable. Yeah. Like, so that was part of the numbers. And I've got Durban as yours. And we've got like good social media. And yeah. also at the same time, you know, I, with certain comedians, I was like, you know, this is their so just, following. Sorry, to stop you there, Durban is yours is a, a website. How would you describe it? Yeah, like an entertainment portal for live events, events and stuff yeah. like and arts and culture in Durban. Yeah. Although it ebbs and flows depending on how busy I am with sure. other stuff. So I mean, with the money that you've managed to bring in, were you going into this with? I don't mean like tell me your marketing strategy as such, but you know, uh, how did I think you, the marketing could have been better? How, be how, how did you find marketing as a uh, opportunity? Was it easy? Was it difficult? Are there avenues that you would like to explore that you have or haven't? Or how, what would you do maybe next year that might be a little different? Uh, we would. I'd actually hire a publicist. Okay. Straight up, like just get someone who knows that game yeah. a lot better than me. Like I'm fine. With, like I'm decent with marketing, but at the same time, to one audience. Yeah, and I know for the festival to grow the way we want it to grow because yeah. there are some other comedians that want to get on board and invest in the festival now. Yeah, so we've got big ideas like for what we want to do in that. And sorry, I actually just lost my train of thought because we smoked a joint before this. Where was? <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, I smoked a joint before this. No, you didn't. Uh, no one smoked a joint before this. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but where, where were we just before saying that? Oh, I was just saying like, so, well, I don't remember either. Fuck. Like, anyway, yeah, shit. <laughs> But well, I mean, it's really good that you guys have put this festival event on, and and dare I say, uh, with community support rather than perhaps, rather than perhaps a uh, corporate level of comedic support. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's nobody out there going out and saying, "Well, let's go and really help these guys." Do you think there's there's some no. investment in Durban comedy? Um, I mean, well, not in where I'm at. Right. There's one company that's got investment. Okay. And, then, um, and does that does that prove to be uh, a fracture in the Durban scene, or is it something that is it is it? I don't know if it's a fracture in the Durban scene so much as a few of us don't like it. 
Okay. Um, whereas other people, the lower guys, like on the comedy rung, obviously just want to get stage time anywhere they can and, you know, will beg for their five minutes right. anywhere they can. And I totally get that. But there's some of us who also see the uh, corporatization and colonization, I guess, of Durban comedy as a bit of an issue. Right. You know, I've, I've, this is something I always argued when I started off comedy in the UK mid-2000s. And it was a burgeoning, almost actually the end of the, the peak of stand-up comedy by, I think, UK standards. And there was a lot of gigs to go to, and there was a lot of opportunity, and I would travel around. And what always made me very, very optimistic about coming back to South Africa was that you could find... Okay, so London obviously has a lot of gigs, yeah. but you could go out to a village in the middle of nowhere and once monthly they would have like really shit hot like circuit comics like some of the best comedians you're ever going to see in your life perform in a village in a small town. and then it'd be like how does that happen well the community loves it and they support it and the, the gig pays and everyone makes some money and there's no problem and I actually think that's a good route even in South Africa well I, I always felt that was the case but then I when I came over and I realized that People had this mentality that, like, oh, Durban's not big enough to have a comedy scene. You know, like, PE can't have comedians. Isla, and then I went, like, motherfucker, this. You know, Upkington should have its own comedy circuit. Yeah. It's not. It's not that. It's not that but difficult. But all it takes is someone to start it, and like, and that's the thing. Other people started the Durban comedy scene, like years ago, like Glenn Bob, like very. I mean, okay, so if you go way back, there would have been the John Flosma stuff, but then shit died. Like, yeah. you know, those guys created something and then left. And then it was dead. There and was then, a void in that time. And then Glenn came back and he started stuff. And then I know, like, there's been a laughing stock comedy in that. And, like, you know, they've all been doing dope stuff, On yeah. Fire, Smash Time before that. So there's been people doing things throughout Durban. But for me personally, like, I've seen it. So with Heat City Nights and with Underground Comedy, it's a matter of literally just creating. Like, I went to Joburg. I saw how things are. And the only reason why things are that way is because people created them. It's that simple. You start the thing. Like, you don't necessarily just see how good something else elsewhere and then want to no. move there. I always think it's like that, what's that, that shitty Kevin Costner film? Is it Bull Durham? Where it's like, build it and they will come. It's that kind of... Oh, fuck, that is... Like, uh, Field Angels of Dreams and, or something yeah. like that. Or it might be Field of Dreams. You know what I mean? Like, when that baseball goes... You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, but it's I that idea if you, if you think of it long enough and enough people want it kind of sort of manifests one way or another you know and there's I also think if you're pig-headed enough about something or stubborn enough about it you can also just force it to work but I mean if we get back to the Durban side of things a lot of like Durban's comics have started and left uh, like natural progression from most of the cities in this yeah, country although that's happening less and less these yeah. days but with Carvin in that comedy awards thing recently being nominated for multiple categories and stuff yeah. I mean, it's evident that, I mean, without awards, nobody needs awards yeah. to... I mean, I think Carvin's, status, like, but, bookings but, I mean, he's just doing, show you that he's great. I was going to say, like, Carvin's doing so well as a Durban-based comic. Um, yeah. And his investment and involvement. So, where, where's Durban comedy going to next? What's going to happen with the next festival? Um, opening up our borders a little bit more, I guess, even though I complain about the fact that we... You, <laughs> It's a weird thing because at the same, I understand that we do need big names involved, and if we put ourselves next to big names, mm. we look, we get some of that shine if that makes sense. You know, you. So a part of my goal is this festival is to make it not just a Durban festival, but to make it an international festival. Yeah. So that's my goal for the next year is to get a few cats to come through from overseas, and then yep. also, I mean, even like you know, lots of comedians in South Africa want to come through now. Like, I mean, even Lisa Medinga last night was like, yo, hit me up, bro. Like, I want to do it. And, like, I've had lots and lots of people now being like, 
we want to do the fest and oh. that's going to become hard now well, I'd like selecting to come back who to can and can't like and like I don't want to I hate being in that position because yeah. my whole thing is like I like giving everyone opportunities I don't want to be the person to not give someone an opportunity yeah. I mean if you fuck it up that's on you and there have been a few people now who have cut the fuck out of my life like because of like their shit in the scene but well look I mean uh, you know for a long time I've often been surrounded by comedians and they make up a greater majority of my social circle and friends but some of them are cunts and uh, <laughs> yeah, straight up fair few. but not all of them but no. I mean if, if this was a circle of magic players there's probably quite a few there that aren't yeah, exactly your favourite people too definitely you know, it not just, it happens it happens I think on the whole there's a lot more consensus amongst comedians and there's been dare I say a lack of pickup on this digital world where people can communicate to each other a lot easier than they have but there are a few people who you know are picking up on that like Mm. you like Simi like you know a few people using the digitization using podcasting as a medium using video as a medium there's so many well I've kind of got this idea with podcasting is that it's not to say that um, this podcast is going to be like oh wow Martin Evans the podcast wow life changing but if people listen to it and they start to understand who I am a little bit and kind of go well for, for maybe I do like him enough to go and watch his show yeah. that person who comes to see my show has a, a history with me a d- deeper connection you know what I mean and, and I'm not going to make that connection with a person necessarily in Durban from perhaps a live show here. yeah from doing 10 but if someone's sets, listening like, to this in Durban and goes eventually hey Martin's coming to the comedy festival next year brought to you by Spa six different independent liquors <laughs> yeah and, well uh, hopefully next year it's uh, <laughs> is that me that's not me Hang on a second, I'm turning my phone off, sorry. We can can turn that one off, that's one of those, can you please pay your credit card bill phone calls and... uh, See, I don't even have a credit card, so... Oh man, man, well, you know, this is, as I was getting back to you, the the value in these podcasts are people here perhaps now in Cape Town might be listening going, well, I'm glad to hear that something's happening in Durban. Exactly. You know, and... Please leave me alone. This is, oh, this is definitely... I mean, you expand your reach so much more with, you know, just... At the end of the day, stand-up comedy is a thing that you can only do on a stage. <laughs> like, no. necessary... Well, not necessary, but, you know, you can film stuff, put it on YouTube. Oh, fuck. Okay, sorry. Excuse me. That's another one. That's a different company wanting to sell me insurance, probably. So, I'm going to turn this off. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's become this thing where... I forgot what I was talking about. Sorry, throwing about from this. About podcasting and accessing wider audiences well, and people yeah, exactly. becoming more attached we, to you as a person. I mean, Mark Maron is the blueprint for this shit. I mean, the absolutely. guy's career, like, oh. and but actually, that's a good question. Do you think like not failed comedians, but failing comedians, like, are turning to podcasting as a way to expand their? Well, that's almost like a question to me, and which I feel I can answer. And yes. Uh, so here's here's it basically how I was working this out the other day, and this is not me wanting to give up on endeavors. It's me wanting to Expand. fast track the time that I have into the things I want to do, right? Which is not everything; it's selective. And something like podcasting made me realize that, like, and I don't mean to be like all dramatic about this. Like my dad's a civil engineer, okay? And if we were to drive around the country, you could point out bridges and road systems and all this kind of shit that he built, and it's an evidence for your labor. And stand-up comedy, let's say I've done 2,000 shows. 2,000 shows. You've got shows. some posters. I've got, I've got fucking dozens of them under there. I don't know how to throw them out. And I'm the same way. You know, it's, it made me realize that it's kind of been a waste of time. So I Do got, you really feel that way, though? Absolutely. I've done Why? so many of Why them. Why is it a waste of time? Well, Do you it's, not get, it's, like, no, you had joy. You it's exactly that. It's like the energy that I got from the performance. The, like, how do I need, like, can I tick boxes? Do I know what it's like to die so badly that you want to fucking literally die? die tick. Yeah. Yes. 
How many times? Lots of ticks, right? But in the thousands of shows, was it enough to make me start? No. no. The shows that have gone so well that I felt like a fucking hero have happened a lot. Yep. Lots of ticks, but they're not enough for me to go, do I need that tick again in either box? I've experienced but, the highs and lows on that level, and I go, well... So, but so for, for you, is it that, though? Like, do you do comedy for that? Well, I just think that we're doing things in a different... Like, as we sit here, this is just ironically... I, I've got this box of photos that I've been going through, right? Yeah. And I realized that this is of an era way pre-digital, and I'm looking at some of these things saying, Jesus, I forgot I was in Egypt. You know, and i got, like, 60 photos in Egypt there, and I'm going, oh, these are cool, right? But this this thing of leaving something that is not necessarily legacy but an output of your event. So like this podcast, we're listening to it now. It's irrelevant that it is fucking seven minutes to four on the 13th of the 8th, right? It's <laughs> sunny outside and the traffic's quite light. But we, we've got this down and we can walk away from it. And in a couple of years time, you might be referencing something back or somebody else might be listening to a journey at a different point. And this is where... This is what I love about podcasts. This yeah. is where we, it's, it's about leaving something behind. It's just going, hey, we've done this. We've had a chat. We've recorded it. And it's not saying the effort we've gone to, but it's we've put in this effort and it's been captured. And they exist. And I, I think it's more valuable in how we can... Like, your festival exists, yeah. right? You can film it. You can record it. You can look at the posters. That's something... Yeah, that was, and that not was just a big doing a gig. It's not just... Showing up and oh fuck, you know, oh, we're doing this on Friday. People have got investment into those things, so it's finding those points where you leave legacy, yep, and going, Well, that's my input rather than just I'm leeching off something that's not really fucking winning. But what about just doing stand up comedy, like the actual like act of doing it? Because for me, I don't care about the, the dying or the killing, or like I just enjoy writing and telling jokes, sure. But I mean, what I would rather do. And I cannot because I haven't got the facilities to. But I, instead of, say, going out, driving in a car to a gig that's perhaps a, not a gig that I really wanted to be at. And I use venue. If I wouldn't go to a venue as a punter, I don't want to go there as a performer. <laughs> and I use that across the board from fancy to shit. And I'm quite fussy, right? Yeah. So, uh, okay, right. How much are we getting paid? <laughs> is it really then, worth my time? Yeah. What I really would like to be doing is building a yacht or sailing around the world or welding or learning carpentry skills. That fascinates me. And I would rather put 10,000 hours into that than another 10,000 hours of the experiences that I've already got. Okay. So it's not that so I won't do it it's again. It's just about expanding your range. Like I can tap into stand-up probably Anytime. any point in the future. Right? It's just for me, it's disappointing because I find it to be incredibly funny and I, I enjoy watching your shows. So whenever I see you like hate stand-up comedy, I'm just like, fuck, what is like the future for me? Like even because well, like, I, I, don't, I don't want to be like a barometer of failure for other people, <laughs> but it's not an easy world to have uh, look. I don't think if my you success want, is going to necessarily come from stand-up. I, I enjoy it, and I might even I don't one day be think, successful I don't it, think, I think you my other should overly worry in some respects, because if you're going to be famous, it's going to be because you're Bob Perfect. It's not going to be because this is you changed to be something else. Yeah. And you either are or you're not. But even if you don't make it as a stand-up comedian, your knowledge things, yeah. of the industry makes you an invaluable promoter and, yeah, and, and a champion because of I, it. It's because I also come from a promoting background, I guess. Like... A weird thing that I just kind of fell into because I loved music like yeah. and I was a big part of like attending music gigs and stuff in Durban like a lot like I was a part of the scene like a part of the furniture essentially and so I started yeah organizing gigs because they weren't enough and eventually I did that festival uh, Outland yeah. we tried to go up against Splashy and uh, probably timed it incorrectly <laughs> and so we're not doing that festival anymore but after that like it gained me so much confidence to be able to actually 
just do more. Well, actually, let's bring that back in. I mean, over the years, I met you years ago at Splashy Fen, and uh, we've about this in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I won't discuss that story per se, but that that like that Splashy was. I think I did Splashy two years. One was the one where you saved me from getting punched by. <laughs> The bartender for yeah. on the bar. Yeah, yeah. That, that that circumstance. And then the other <laughs> one where it was an absolute fuck up where they were trying to sell tickets in the actual oh god in the actual that, festival yeah so that was like for Lipton iced tea and it was like what what branding is this where it's free festival go watch the acts but now you got to buy an iced tea okay so that was a cock okay. up but since those festivals I mean even the Cape Town ones uh, Rocky the Daisies which I was very involved in I've, I've mm. washed my hands with that years is ago because this year no, I mean I don't know what the new t- like vibes no are like but I like the lineup for music this year Okay, well, that's I'm, the first time I've, I've ever I've, said that I'm, I'm, I'm out of it in terms of who's relevant to the music so yeah. I haven't made any judgement on that but uh, then there was Synergy Live which again is not not, not involved with us in comedy anymore uh, last year I was at Opikopi when they did this sort of semi-disastrous yeah. mid-year one in October. Oh, the one that they did with uh, because of Rocky. This is just yeah. I mean I'm, I'm so another fucking dude not paying attention. I yeah. just realised oh Opikopi was this weekend. Yeah, was there comedy at Opikopi? I don't know this year. I didn't I see, but I'm sure there was. I'm not sure there is. I mean Warren usually exactly, that and, and I, you I didn't saw see nothing. I didn't see any after Opi posts or hmm. ah, interesting. I wonder. I wonder why not. Um, because I enjoyed a comedy at OP actually. I do think comedy at a music festival is a great thing, but it also can be a fucking dog show. Good lord, it it it's, it trains you. It trains you for a very different audience. Well, it's been my mainstay for many a year. I ran, managed, and run so many of those stages and events. And I wouldn't say I was bulletproof in it, but I, I was. <laughs> I was the general leading the troops over the front line and <laughs> most often not shot, whereas I lost many, many comrades. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck. Like, uh, many people went down. I just decided years ago at music festivals that I wasn't going to be afraid of them and treat them as such. Exactly. And and it worked. It worked. Because also, I'm 43. If I go to a music festival, I Everyone's am your worm. Yeah. <laughs> worm's quite angry with the mic there. Like, shut the fuck up. You do. <laughs> whereas, hi, everyone. I've just been doing this for six weeks and this is my boo. Here's a fucking notchy. Yeah, you know exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. But, I mean, okay, maybe we should just end this up in a moment saying, the festival's going ahead. It did well. You've yep. had the right critical response from both the brands and the comics. Yeah, and the we audience. didn't get... But the way I did fail a little bit, I think, was not engaging enough with the media outside of my own little vibes. Um, but, so, you know, I, I, I think you did well enough to actually get corporate sponsors involved, first of all. So don't don't knock yourself down on that. There has been no, so like many gatekeepers. There's been so yeah. many gatekeepers. <laughs> to those marketing positions like I can say right now that if you wanted to put a comedy show on you're going to struggle in Cape Town to get a mainstream radio sponsor because what's their involvement which venue do you have and you go well, I can't get that venue because I don't have that radio involvement to get that you know what I mean it's, okay. it's a vicious circle and you, you don't really get options very often to get a big brand in. and it's that's a fantastic start so I look forward to hearing the future developments. Yeah, you guys are gonna be. I mean, I I hope like I, for me this is my like weird like you're talking about legacy projects. Like I feel like this is gonna be that. I want to see what where we are in ten years. You sure. know, like I've got an idea of making it our own just for laughs, and I know that's like sounds really like over the top. But if you're gonna like you know do something, go for like as big as you can. Yeah. But I also understand that that's gonna take time and. I've got to work with the correct people, I've got to listen, I've got to learn, and I've got to just really stick to the vision as well. I think that's a big thing. People get very disheartened 
because of failure and I've failed at so many fucking things now <laughs> that it's impossible yeah. to ever like if something doesn't work it doesn't get to me anymore it's just no. let's just do the next I, thing uh, that's partly where I feel I am at the world and then you know I got a message from a you call it fellow podcaster and comedian Simi <laughs> who immediately said like I oh, like I implore you to come and play this festival next year so if you'll have me next year I'll definitely come up and consider you know, yourself booked but, thank uh, you. but the, you know what it comes down the money's not good <laughs> listen I'm not this is exactly what I was just going to get at I don't do gigs currently and there are gigs there's like Constant. five gigs I mean, I'm doing right tonight, outside yeah. my, my venue so there are options to do gigs there just not enjoying the going out aspects but I'm not not doing gigs two weeks ago was it I think it would have been I went and did the comedy house in Stenberg okay oh uh, yeah this. fucking Altaf was telling me about what last night what an Look, sounds awesome Joel, this is, and I did it because it has the hearse of why I want to put it. Um, I'll be honest with you, I got paid and I gave them half the feedback, not because I'm a hero, because there is not enough money in this event to justify payment. Like, I, I think I walked out with a hundred bucks, right? hundred bucks. But that was a hundred rand of happy tokens, right? Yeah. And it's in a community-based theater the guy built above his garage. It has like local community pays. It's, it's on the fringe of some really not cool areas of Cape yeah. Town. The area itself is fine, but it's, it's you know you're, you're yeah. you know you're a couple of streets turns away, and it can be pretty fucking hood right. And I played it, and I was just like, this is part of what South African comedy needs. It needs, yep. it needs a community gig. It needs people backing it from. I didn't see this on. Uh, a multimedia platform brought to you by FNB and whatever exactly. which is great when it happens but if it doesn't it doesn't mean that you don't fucking know about these shows so all the best to you Chuck yeah. and uh, let's, uh, let's not have another spliff outside okay although I do just want to say I know this is uh, having a, a final word kind of thing is yeah. just if you are a comedian right now and you are struggling to get bookings or you're struggling in general or whatever just create your own shit. It might fail, it might not, but at the end of the day, you can't complain about other people not booking you. Even though I do complain about other people not booking me, yeah. I still put myself on, and I do think everyone should just do that. Exactly, I have got no issue with people who don't book me. They don't book me for various reasons, and there's probably good reasons for those reasons yeah, too. I mean, yeah, it's also, I talk a lot of shit about the people who don't book me, so. <laughs> I, I, fair, I feel I like it's probably fair. I understand. It is indeed. Thank you very much, Bob Perfect. Uh, this has been an episode of Rants with Pants. Caught it up on my roof. Yeah, this has been dope. Thank you. Let's go outside and have another cup of tea. Cup of tea. Cup of tea. Cup of tea. <laughs>